Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trinity Talks Healing. It has been a while, guys, and I'm sorry it's taken me a long time to get up another episode, but I'm really excited to be here today, and I'm so happy I've got a lot to say. (laughs) So many of you have sent me lots of questions, and so this podcast is just going to be about the biggest Uh, most common questions that I get on Instagram. So I want to start off talking about poop because (laughs) I swear I've had like a hundred messages about poop. When starting the, oh, you know what I should start off by saying? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm a mom. And Please talk to your doctor about anything to do with your child's health and make sure you're on the same page. I'm here just sharing our journey in the hopes of helping others. Okay, let's get back to poop. So I think, I think everybody has the same experience uh, when they start the heavy metal detox smoothie with their child. Poop changes, Their, their poop is like black almost really really dark sticky stinky it's like kind of like gluey and I think the first thing people think is is this the blueberries is this just like blueberries making the poop so dark and so disgusting and so stinky and everything and um I can say it's definitely not the blueberries because eventually it goes away. So we've been doing the heavy metal detox smoothie now for gosh, four plus years. And it took about, I would say a little bit over six months for Nicholas's poops to kind of go back to normal. And even in the next six months, I would say there was times when they were black again. And it's, What's causing that is actually the metals is what's being detoxed out. That's what's causing those disgusting poops. It's not the smoothie. It's what the smoothie's pulling. And when you're super, super full of heavy metals and toxins and stuff, and then you give your body an opportunity to get them out, they're like grabbing that opportunity. I also think there is something to being younger. Um, you can heal a bit faster. I know for myself, when I do the 369 cleanse, this is going to be a lot of information, guys, so bear with me. Um, I always can tell when I'm really starting to get into the cleanse because I get disgusting, like really sticky, gross poops as well (laughs) because it's really starting to pull out any of that junk, all those heavy metals and stuff. So I can always tell like, okay, now I'm day four, I'm really in the swing of this really in the swing of this or if I do like back to back to back uh, three six nine cleanses you know that summer I did like eight in a row yeah it got real in the bathroom Um, so the heavy metal detox smoothie is gentle and powerful but that's what you're seeing with your child and what did I do so if it ever got really bad I always like look to make sure when I was changing my son, like, did he have any, is there any irritation or is it 
okay. And I found generally he was fine. There wasn't, it wasn't like hurting him in any way. It was just gross. Um, and if it ever got to the point where it was like really wet or something, then I would just back off for one day and then come back in the next day with a smoothie. So if I ever got like, like exploding diarrhea, which I don't think it ever did. I do remember one day feeling like, oh, so this is a little really runny. I'm just going to back off one day and um, come back the next. But I think I only did that like maybe once or twice. It generally was kind of the same. It's just that sticky, pasty kind of poop that was black. So, yeah. And I think just based on on the people writing into me and saying, oh my gosh, what's this black poop about? Um, I think it's pretty general that this happens to almost everybody. So if it's happening to your child, know that you are in good company. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is regression versus healing. So our our experience with the heavy metal detox smoothie is that when we started it yes I noticed like Nicholas suddenly like played peekaboo with me for like I was like day four of the smoothie suddenly like for 30 seconds acknowledged me and played peekaboo which was like amazing um but what else happened is he used to lie like completely not lie but sit completely still while I was clipping his nails like he'd be watching Daniel Tiger or something and I'd clip his nails and it was like his hands weren't even attached to his body he could not have cared less he could not have cared less while I clipped his nails and then when we started the smoothie pretty early on suddenly he was like what are you doing doing he was like you I hate this this is horrible but you're you know he really suddenly noticed I was clipping his nails hated it and it became a real struggle and I call this phase the waking up phase and I've time and again got so many messages from people about this this phase where like people are worried like this used to be okay and now it's not okay and to that I say is it really a bad thing that Nicholas noticed that his his nails were getting clipped isn't that better than having like being completely zoned out and not even like really knowing someone's clipping your nails waking up to the world around you isn't just going to be oh everything's great a lot of stuff's great But also it's going to be like, I hate this stuff. This is awful, you know, and it's a journey, right? So it's not like day one, everything's going to be great. I saw this also. Here's another example of this. So I had um, been in this play group. I think it was in December. And my son and another woman's daughter were extremely similar in their um, spectrum of autism. Very, very similar. Both nonverbal, both uh, screechy, both kind of zoned out. Like uh, very, very, very similar 
levels of autism in the way they were expressing. And then we didn't see her for a while and I saw her, I just started the medical meeting protocol for Nicholas and then I saw her again about five months later. And I obviously wanted to tell her about what we were doing and it was a little bit of awkward situation because we weren't friends. Like this is just someone I saw in passing. This wasn't like we weren't friends. Um, and it's always very uncomfortable to approach someone because you don't want them to feel criticized or you don't want to pose, but it's just so important. Like I always feel like I want to respect God's law of free will and give everyone a choice. Like I don't need to like impose my will on other people, but I, I want to let that, that, let them have a choice, let them know it exists and have a choice to try it. So I was like building up my courage to talk to her about it. And I, um, got her in the elevator and I was like, okay, I have 30 seconds. I got a pitch. And so I was like, we've been doing this thing. It's really helping. We love it. Like I could bring you the book. <laughs> um, and I couldn't really tell how it was received. She's like, okay. I'm like, okay, I'll bring you the book next week. <laughs> And uh, we both had this thing next week. So um, when I saw her, I was like, okay, I'm not going to, like, I wasn't sure how she received it. Language, um, English is her second language. I don't, I don't speak any other languages. I'm horrible at languages. But um, so I wasn't sure, like, if her response was like a lack of enthusiasm or just, I had just surprised her. Or I was just like, you know, too passionate or I don't know what, but I was like, okay, I'll bring the book, but I won't like shove it at her or something or like try to sell her on it again. I'll just be like, if she asks, or I'll just like try to bring it up casually. <laughs> and, um, it was so interesting because I saw her and she was like, so like, did you bring the book? Like she was very interested. She wanted the book. And, um, I was like, yes, yes, here, you know, I was like, you want to read it? She's like, oh yes, can I have it? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Um, and she said, you know, I can't believe the change in your son. It's amazing. And I wanted to ask you what you had been doing because he's so, she's so different. And so she actually read the book in a week. And then we met at this indoor playground to talk and I brought her some supplements and I um, talked to her and then she started and her daughter, she had been as a way to cope, as a way to cope in life to, her daughter was always put in a stroller. Like the second she got out of the car, her daughter was in a stroller and she pushed her daughter um, everywhere in a stroller. And her daughter was just kind of like, okay with that. Just kind of zoned out. It's just totally fine. Like she pushed her everywhere in a stroller. She never walked. Her daughter never walked. Um, you know, she walked when she was like in a location. She would take her out of the stroller and let her like, she wasn't, but it was just to get her from A to B it was always in a stroller. And that's how she um, did life. And then, so she started this the heavy metal detox smoothie. And what do you know? Her daughter was like, what is going on? <laughs> I don't want to be in the stroller anymore. And she called me. She was so, she was like, how am I going to do life if I can't put her in a stroller? It's so difficult. I mean, she won't, she wants to like walk. And I was thinking, well, I know it's really hard. 
when these things that we do to try to, you know, we still have to live life and cope, get kind of changed. And it's actually, there's some things that might get harder on our healing journeys and not easier, but it's not a regression. It's not a regression for a child that wants and should be walking at that age to want to walk and not be in a stroller, right? That's a step forward, but it's just like through the lens of a parent, sometimes it can feel like a regression. It can feel like, oh my gosh, now she's freaking out. She won't get in the stroller. She doesn't want the stroller. And I, and I understand this. Trust me, I understand this because Nicholas rejected the stroller too. And I was, um, one of the things we were doing was I would go for walks with him and I put him in the stroller to go for walks. And it was such a great release for me emotionally to go for these walks. And then one day he's like, I don't want to be sitting in a stroller. I want to be walking with you and living life, you know, you know, at that age, he was old, really old to be in a stroller. So it's not like it wasn't authentic for him not to want to ride around in a stroller. Um, but it was disappointing for me to sacrifice. Like there's just those walks just like evaporated because if he wasn't going to sit in the stroller, you know, there was, it's not like I could walk it like that, that pace or whatever with him. And he was also a bolter at that time. So, you know, it was very stressful to have him, you know, walking in this, walking next to me on the sidewalk, you know, just like, you know, on a hyper, hyper alert all the time, afraid he's going to just run into the street or something. So it is like these things happen, these things that aren't, um, we don't anticipate. I think when people think of healing, they anticipate this milestone, that milestone, you know, and and there are, there are like in that time, that five months, I think, um, Nicholas had learned, was giving me eye contact, had learned sign language, was able to tell me, um, you know, he's hungry or he's thirsty. Um, you know, we would, there's a cow, I'm watching a cow. I'm, you know, he's signing me all these different signs and we're communicating and it's amazing. It's amazing. Like we would do uh, books. I remember I posted a video of this on Instagram where we had shared attention and he, and I'd say, where's that? And he'd point to it in the book. He was able, we'd go to the, you know, the little place where you can go and play inside. What's it called? Meetups, you know, in you go and meet up with other people and play inside and he was always so excluded from other children because of his screeching and it would really it freak other kids out and it honestly freaked out some of the parents and some of them were not the kindest but one day well first I want to say first of all I started the smoothie and the screeching stopped and I was like oh my gosh it's a miracle and then it came back with a vengeance and then, like I think about four months in, was that January, February, March, April? January, February, March. Maybe four months, I think. I'd have to look at the, I'd have to look. But I think around four months, I remember the day though, he stopped screeching. It, he just stopped and it never happened again. And we were at the, you know, the indoor like playground kind of meetup thing. And there was Nicholas and there were these girls, these little girls who wanted to play with him. And, uh, it was like, there was a music video 
it was to me I was watching this but it was like there was music playing in my head because it was so beautiful to see him and these girls that were so interested in playing with him I mean after being so excluded and isolated by his screeching for it to just be gone and for kids to want to play with him and so these girls were just everywhere he'd go the girls would follow and it's the opposite of what would happen in the past where everywhere he'd go the kids would disperse and I remember this mother apologizing to me and saying oh I'm so sorry my daughters just like won't leave him alone and I was like no it's fine (laughs) I was so happy I just it was I was so joyful so I'm what I'm trying to say is there are those great moments but it's also mixed in with this waking up phase where there's you know things that are not what you kind of would expect along the healing journey I'll give you another example because this pattern of things getting a little bit weird right before Nicholas would make a developmental leap happened a lot. In fact, I started getting, I used to get kind of worried about it that right before he made a developmental leap, he'd do some kind of like weird behavior. I was like, oh my gosh. And it's always scary, right? Because many of us have been through regressions with our children and we're traumatized by them. And so anything that looks like a step backward, that fear like hits us in the gut is this a regression and it's hard to trust and it did take me I would say I had to go through this pattern multiple times the first year on the medical medium protocol for autism for me to get comfortable with it for me to get comfortable and then eventually get to the place where when Nicholas started doing weird stuff or acting out weirdly I would get excited what's gonna happen next what's his next jump gonna be you know because uh it always led to some kind of breakthrough I'll give you an example so (laughs) one time (laughs) Nicholas it was in the first year and Nicholas came home and he I, I had him, I think we were out, he came home, he came into the house, and he climbed up on the kitchen table, never had done that before, and he tried to swing from the chandelier. It was, I was like, what is happening? And it really freaked me out, and he just seemed like out of control, like I was like, what is going on? And then that was like, right before he started to break through with his language and it was just I don't know it's like healing is weird it is weird it's not way the way you think about it in your imagination in fact I watched a documentary about people waking up from comas and I think film and tv makes us think that when people wake up from comas they like wake up like where am i oh you've been in a coma for 15 years like no when people wake up from comas it's like their brain is coming online it's very weird it's like they do weird stuff with their bodies they they kind of forget they a lot of them have to learn relearn how to talk and it's just a very very bizarre 
um, it's like rebooting a computer or something. It's, it's truly bizarre how they kind of come back to themselves. And I always think about that. I mean, when during this process, I thought about that documentary a lot because it was so similar. It was so different from how I thought healing would look. So another example, though, sometimes it's, and I have another example here. So Nicholas, this is years in, okay? This is right before COVID hit. So one thing, one of the first regressions Nicholas had was his ability to climb and jump, his coordination, like, and he walked very unusually like he walked like as if he had vertigo and he'd just gotten off a horse like he walked very strangely um and through his healing journey his walking remained pretty much the same he you know wasn't like that was not the first thing to heal for us in fact his language he was talking and his walking was still strange and his of course like and then if he was to run or try I don't want to call it running because it wasn't really running because there was always one foot on the floor and when you run I don't know if you really realize this but you're like you're like there's a point when your both feet are in the air but he always kept his feet like on the floor so it's very unusual look to his walking and it's kind of like his toes were kind of turned and so we had we had seen a doctor about it and so we had taken him in to get they had said that he needed to have braces like these little braces in his shoes and stuff so I'd taken him in right before COVID to get um, the molding and stuff done for these braces to be made and it didn't end up happening that he got those because everything shut down with COVID and everything. So it just, he didn't end up happening. But at that same time, what had been happening is he would be just like walking in the, we had a basement play area on, we had kind of the foam, those, those foam floors that you, those tile things you make into a soft floor. And he had been, Oh, hello. Hi. I'm a, I'm doing a little podcast right now. Mommy. Yeah? What happened? Can you show me? Uh-oh. Did you get a little cut on your toe? Yeah, I covered it yesterday while I was playing the grass. Oh, you're playing on the grass and it did? All right, do you need a Band-Aid? Okay. Don't pull it out. No, there's nothing in there. It's just a little cut. Do you want to say hello? No, thank you. Okay. All right, I'll be back. Sorry about that interruption. Um, I'm going to be way less precious about these podcasts because I don't think people really care <laughs> if they're perfect or not. I think they just want to, you know, talk about um, autism. So I'm not going to like edit these down and make them perfect. I'm just going to be real. Okay, so getting back to it. So Nicholas had these, needed these braces for his feet. And at the same time, what had happened is he'd always had this very awkward walk, very awkward, I don't even know what you'd call it, run, but not really a run. 
very unsteady. But suddenly he became, he started falling and he started falling. Like I was talking the first time he fell, it was on, it was in the basement in a play area on those foam pads. And it was very strange. I was like, oh, that's weird. It's like he fell out of nowhere. It's completely flat surface. And he just tripped over his own feet. And then it began to happen constantly. Like we'd be in the backyard and our backyard was very flat, full of like cushy grass. And he'd just be like, fall. he'd just fall. It was just like, it was like he'd just be walking and he'd just fall as if his, it was like, did his leg give out? Like, what is going on? This is happening on such flat surfaces. And it made me nervous when he was going up and down stairs and stuff. Like, it became a real thing. I went to the chiropractor constantly. I was, you know, I was concerned about his legs. Like, what's going on here? What is going on? It definitely seemed like something was getting worse. And I was giving, I was like massaging his legs. I was doing all these exercises that the chiropractor said to do to try to help him. And um, I was worried about it. Didn't know what was going on. So part of getting these braces was hopefully like, gosh, hopefully that'll help him. Give him some support or, uh, but I was really kind of, at a loss for what was happening. And again, it seemed kind of like a regression, right? Like it's something that's getting worse by, it seems like it's getting worse. So he suddenly is falling down all the time. Uh, but what was really happening, I see obviously now, because by the end of the summer, he was walking much more normally, like everything and then he was able to run and normally what was happening looking back was I think the part of his brain that communicates with how to move his legs to walk or to run was healing and the metals were getting pulled out and as that part was healing his brain was giving his legs new instructions about how to move and yet the old instructions were still there too. So there was just this time when things were not syncing up. He was walking the old way and the new way. And it just took a little bit of time for those metals to get all the way out and for him to be able to walk the new way completely. So he was actually healing. It was a step forward, but it just looked like a step backward at that time. So that is another example of something that looked like a regression, but actually it was healing moving forward. So it really worked out that because of COVID, the braces for his feet were never made. And we never had that follow appointment because then I was able to see that the problem wasn't needing or not needing braces for his legs and feet. It was just his brain healing and helping him um, adjust to that and just needed a little time. So it all worked out. So I have become pretty chill about a lot of things. Um, I do not ascribe 
to the thought that if um, your child has a problem with something, the best thing to do is to like desensitize them to that by doing it. For example, so Nicholas had a fear of public bathrooms and um, one of the things that happened as he was healing was um, he was able to potty train oh that's something else to talk about (laughs) I'm just going to jump all around guys so potty training and potty issues and bedwetting that's all heavy metals Um, straight from medical medium that stuff is heavy metals that was very interesting to me to find that out so I had been trying to potty train Nicholas for years and it was really hard it was not going great and it you know I just couldn't really make progress sometimes I could get him to pee in the potty I had the potties everywhere and you know, it was, it seemed like completely random when I'd get him to pee in the potty versus, you know, peeing down the stairs. I tried all the books, you know, everything. Looking back, I wish that I had just taken a breath and been like, okay, this will, he will be ready when he's healed enough to have this, this kind of control over his bladder. Because when it finally happened that he was ready, he would, he like did it in a, a week it was right when he turned four and it was then he was just ready and he was able to do it and it wasn't an issue and then the weirdest thing is so here years and years of struggle with potty training and then he just does it like and he's just ready and then I thought okay so how how long is it going to be before he can like pull the um, diapers off at night and uh, it ended up being that once he kind of got control once that had clicked in of his bladder control it was not some big struggle at night he potty trained at night very very quickly Um, I do recommend though getting those are they called sweet pea I'm not sure what the brand I think it's called sweet pea but these mothers invented these um this pad that you put um I think they they got the idea from like yoga yoga mats Bikram yoga mats they're very highly absorbable I totally love those because if you have an accident it doesn't wet anything below the child and they're also pretty comfortable it's small so that was really handy to have during when we were potty training at night but like I said that went really quickly so um, everything happens at the, t- at the time, you know, I don't, I don't stress out about these things like I used to. I used to worry so much. I used to feel like, oh my gosh, I have to, um, the thing about not going into public bathrooms, the public bathrooms would freak him out. Like, even though he was potty trained and he could pee in a potty and he was okay of holding it, he wasn't comfortable going potty anywhere but his home. Um, and that presented a problem because, you know, you're out living life. You, you're not always going to be able to go home to pee. So I was super worried about it. Um, and what was interesting is in his preschool, 
he was okay with potting in the preschool potty. Uh, luckily, there was a, the potty right in the preschool room and he would potty in there. So that was fine. So I was worried about that, but that ended up being fine. And um, one thing I feel bad about, though, is that like I would take him into the public bathroom like at um, when we were at appointments and stuff. And he would be so upset and freaked out. And I just, you know what? I just wish I had just, you know, I, it, it wouldn't work out. I'd always have like a diaper in my bag and I'd put the diaper on him and then he'd pee in the diaper. So he was communicating with me, it, but I just wish that I had just done the diaper thing. Like I wish I had just like, if we're in a public place, he needs to pee, he's scared of the bathroom, just put a diaper on him, let him pee in the diaper, take the diaper off, throw it away and put his underwear back on. I, I think that, I think that I felt this like responsibility. Like if I didn't do that, then I would be setting him back. But what I think, when I think back to it now, I, I wish I just had never tried to get him to pee in the public bathroom because that was so stressful and scary for him. And the way it unfolded later, like even when we started kindergarten, he was still not wanting to pee in public bathrooms, but he was able to pee in the kindergarten bathroom. And I had requested a classroom that had a bathroom in the classroom. And I, that helped too. So it didn't end up being a big issue, right? Because I could plan around it. Um, and he'd also, you know, he's a boy and he would pee outside. So in like emergency situations, I let him pee outside and he'd be okay with that. Um, wonderful parenting, I know. <laughs> Don't judge me. Um, so yeah, but I do wish that I had had more faith and trust in that, in that moment that I just felt it was like, you know what, this is going to resolve itself and I don't need to like take him into a public bathroom. There's just no point when it's, when he's ready, he'll be fine. And he is now he's fine. He goes into the public bathroom and pees if he needs to. It all kind of took care of itself over time. Um, and you know, I, I definitely think that's just part of the healing. You know, it's, it's just like listening to music. It's like, oh, your, your child doesn't like music. I don't think it's really something we would do to like, if our child hated music to make them listen to music. Right. But I do think sometimes around stuff like potty training or bathrooms, these kind of essential things we worry and we want to make sure that they're able to do them and maybe, um, maybe just having a little bit more trust is something that I wish I had had. Uh, right now in his life, I see he's doing amazing. Like he's doing so great. He just graduated from kindergarten and he has friends, really good friends. And he's just doing so good. And his math skills, he couldn't, it, it's like in it was January. We just started math, really. And now he's able to do so much of uh, addition, subtraction, and counting in like, you know, 5, 10, 15, 10, 20, 30. He's so good. And I remember in January being like, oh gosh, we're behind. We're behind. He doesn't seem to understand this. And now he's, you know, killing it. He's doing great. And his reading is caught up with his peers. 
weirdly enough, he like started reading way earlier. Remember when he started talking, he started reading, but he was using a different part of his brain to learn to read. Like, you know, a lot of kids sound out words. He wasn't, he was like, his memory would just like see the word, remember what it is and then be able to read that way. Now he's starting to learn to read by sounding outwards. So it's just like these parts of his brain are coming in in different ways. And it's and he, and he has both. He has both to help him, which is so interesting. It's fascinating, actually. So right now we have fine motor, like his writing is not great. It's it's and it hasn't really improved in the last couple of years writing he's just it's just not like the size of the letters the shape of the letters all that stuff it's just kind of staying pretty much the same the last two years it hasn't been any kind of real big improvement so I <laughs> his teachers were saying to me I think he'll be using just like you know these little computers where they write on a computer instead of write with their hands and I'm like mm, okay we'll see we'll see what happens. Let's just, we'll see what happens because I've just seen this so many times where something doesn't, um, come maybe at the same speed as some other child that hasn't gone through what he has. And then as soon as he like clicks through and heals that section of his brain, suddenly he's able to do it and, and do it really well. And so I'm just not worried. I'm just not worried. Like I support him. I have him writing, but I don't um, worry about it. I'm not stressed about it. It's going to work out. I've just seen it too many times to, you know, worry anymore. I think the last my parting thoughts today on this podcast are going to be just that you're not alone. You are not alone. I wish you knew how not alone you are doing the medical medium autism protocol with your child. I'm in this very unique position where so many people talk to me about their journey. So many people send me updates, which is like my favorite healing updates, progress reports. And it is, it is incredibly inspiring to see all over the world, children healing and families just celebrating these wins, you know, someday in the future. I think it'll be very common. Everyone will know the medical medium autism for, for, sorry, everyone will know the medical medium protocol for autism because it's so effective. It works. And I don't know. I just, it's so funny that I find myself in this position because I just wish I could give each of you the confidence of knowing everyone else who's here doing this too and seeing these incredible benefits and seeing this their child transform so that it could give you that confidence in your heart that you're on the right track because the truth is that first those first few months are hard that first year is it's like very emotional it's, you know you might be introducing things that are hard to get on track with you might have to be getting creative with the heavy metal detox smoothie because of the texture or something. You might be doing 
the wild blueberry juice instead of blueberries and juicing some cilantro and putting that in there using the dull strops from Vimergy because you need to do liquid and then maybe sprinkling some barley grass juice powder and some spirulina on bananas or something whatever you're doing to get all the ingredients in for the heavy metal detox smoothie it maybe takes a little bit of time to find that um the combination that works for your child and it's a dedication too, right? Like cutting out the no foods, keeping the fat low is a constant struggle for everyone. I mean, maybe not for you. And if, it, if this doesn't resonate with you, God bless you. You are very lucky. But keeping the fat down is hard. It's hard. It's something I, I think about that every day. How much fat has Nicholas had today? You know, I always think about that. Because it creeps in. Cashew G's here, some hummus there. It creeps in. And keeping the fat down is so important. And I think also, even though there's so many people dealing with this, on this journey, all over the world, maybe there aren't any in your family. Maybe you're the only one. Maybe you're the only one in all your friend group. Or your community and so it feels like you're doing this super weird thing and everyone else is just like what's the big deal like food isn't that powerful like this seems a little bit ex- you know extreme but you know what I, I mean you can't argue with results and those same people who are kind of giving maybe a hard time or don't get it or think it's like a little bit much those same people will you know come around in the end being like well (laughs) well your child when your child starts to heal and your child starts doing amazing you know it's not they might change their tune a little and even at school or something, you're sending these lunches that are maybe a little different than other kids' lunches. You know, it's a lot of fruit, potatoes, a lot of, um, you know, sweet potato tortillas with like beans and stuff like that. It might be a little different than what people are used to seeing. And um, I know, I know, uh, I had a call from the school. I had a call from a woman who works at the school with children with special needs and she was like you just you know I just noticed that you're doing these lunches for Nicholas that are a little different and I just was wondering what you were doing because he seems to be doing really well and I, I have another child that's not doing that great and I just wanted to think maybe you could touch base with their parents and you know maybe talk about what you're doing and she had no idea she had no idea what I was, you know, what I was doing, all she saw was that she noticed that the food he was getting at lunch was maybe a little bit different. And he was doing really great in school and making such leaps and bounds. So she wanted to find out what I was doing. She was curious. That's her, her job is to, you know, coordinate children with special needs. So when one kid's doing really well, you know, it's like, what are they doing? Um, and I think that stuff starts to happen more and more. 
so where you might feel in the beginning like no one understands and no one's behind you, those same people, when they see the benefits of what you're doing and they see it, and it and it also, I definitely feel like it doubles and triples. It's like, what's that show? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I think that's how they do it on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's like the first thing's like $1,000 and then it's $2,000 and then it's $4,000 and then it's $8,000. And I feel like progress is like that too. It's not like you get $1,000 every time. I feel like it multiplies. Um, that's my feeling about how healing has been. You know, it's just like you can't even believe um, some of the progress sometimes. It's just like shocking. Anyways, my friends, I hope this podcast is helpful to you. Know that I believe in you. I'm so proud of what you're doing. I'm so proud of your dedication and love for your child. And I just wish I could give you a big hug and a round of applause because I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but you're doing a good job. You're doing a really, really good job. And even if you have no one else in your life that believes in you, I believe in you. I believe in you and I'm sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you again. I promise sooner this time, I promise I will put out more of these podcasts, but they're going to be a little looser because I'm just going to, you know, say what I'm going to say and I'm not going to try to make it perfect. Okay. Sending you love and light. Talk to you next time.